live from the Fremont Theater in Portland, Oregon, it's Portland Story Theater's Urban Tellers. May the narrative be with you. I was stuck. 30-something, divorced, my personal life a wreck, living in New Jersey. That's kind of a complete story right there, but <laughs> there actually is more. Um, at work, I was on this sort of plateau. And I'd gotten there because I was really good at situations where there are a thousand variables that had to be absorbed and a practical solution found, often one that I could apply with my own hands. It brought me to that plateau and I found that it left me in a cul-de-sac. Marooned in the cul-de-sac, I looked over at the through street and my peers and colleagues were zooming along. And they were doing this because they were really good at the tiniest little details. The abstractions of those things that I wrestled with directly. It showed in their paychecks and in their career progress and not in mine. Something had to change. I applied a tactic, the expressway people would call it an algorithm, that I had used a number of times before in my life and that I still use. There's, there's this problem, and, and by the way, Robert Frost was wrong. You know, he's the guy that said the way out is through. No. The way out is you kind of back up and you set for yourself two, only two, options that are extreme poles of each other and may not be related to the problem at all. So I decided, confronting this, that I would either get an MBA, which is sort of vaguely related, or I would learn to fly. Don't ask me where this came from. I still don't know. Maybe it seemed complex or maybe it seemed even a little scary. But I swung into action and I signed up for that entrance exam for management school. So it's a cold January morning and I'm in the room with a lot of other people with a number two pencil filling in the little bubbles. And about halfway through I sort of stretched a little bit and I looked around the room. This was not my tribe. <laughs> there was not anybody in that room that I even wanted to go to lunch with. So I finished the last few bubbles and I went home and I opened the phone book. We had phone books then. <laughs> and I go down and I find the three airports in the area that have flight schools. Head out. By the time I got to the third one, it was nearly nine o'clock at night, cold and dark, and it was down at the end of this two-lane blacktop road, and I get down there in the dark, and here's this about 3,000-foot asphalt strip, no control tower, and a metal hangar building, and in the corner of the hangar building there's a couple of windows and there's lights inside, so I go in and uh, other than the warmth, the, I'm sort of struck by the fragrance. There's this sort of um, full-bodied smell of engine lubricating oil that's drifting in from the hangar and a deep undertone of the coffee that's been on the burner since before dawn, and kind of light overtones of student pilot sweat. 
sort of sweeps over me as I come in. There's a guy behind the counter, and I go over and I say, well, so how does, how does this work? And he kind of walks me through it, and it, it sort of makes some sense. So I sign up. Come back a couple of days later, and I meet my flight instructor, Kathy Mott. So let me pause to talk about how this works. There's sort of two pieces to learning to fly. There's what aviation people call ground school. There's like a bunch of book learning and a written test. And then there's what we call the air work. And the way that goes is that the, the student pilot and the instructor fly in a small single-engine airplane, two seats, full dual controls, you know, controls in front of each seat, all the same instruments as a regular airplane. And the instructor teaches you how to do takeoffs and how to maneuver in the sky and how to come back to the airport and to land. It's really like apprenticeship and, and all these secrets open to you. One of the secrets you learn about is what pilots call the sacred six. These are six instruments on the panel that abstract all the information about the motion of the airplane in the sky. There it is in these six instruments. Bingo. And there's some other instruments for the engines and stuff. Well, I, I really kind of took to this. Um, takeoffs were pretty easy. We'd get up in the sky and Kathy would say, hold your airspeed. And it was as if there was a thumbtack in that airspeed indicator. Boom, I could make that thing freeze, 75 knots exactly. She'd say, hold your altitude, 2,500 feet thumbtack, man, nailed it. I had that under control. But there was a problem. Takeoffs are optional. Landings are mandatory. <laughs> I was good all the way up to the landings. I just couldn't get it. I couldn't figure it out how to land the airplane. Now, the normal pattern of flight training is that around nine, ten hours, a student has kind of got the hang of the basic stuff, and the instructor signs the back of the student pilot's certificate, and the student is soloed, which means that you can go to the airport, take the airplane without the instructor, and practice takeoffs, maneuvers, and landings. That's usually around 10 hours. Well, I was all in on this. I'd moved to a cheaper apartment so I could afford these lessons. I'd already gotten the ground school out of the way. But here I was with 16 hours in my logbook, and I couldn't land the airplane. I came to the airport for yet another lesson. Kathy didn't want to see me, I didn't want to see her, but I was <laughs> damned if I was going to give up. So she comes out of the office and she says, I've got one more idea. We're going to try this today. And if it doesn't work, you, you'll just have to find a different instructor or just give it up. So we're taxiing out to the end of the runway, and she reaches down in her flight bag, and she pulls out a bunch of black rubber discs. And she starts covering the instruments. She covers all the instruments, the sacred six, the engine, the whole thing. She covers them all. We get to the end of the runway. She says, let's go. 
well, I kind of had the takeoff thing down. So we take off, we go around, and she says, landings. So we're going to stay close to the airport and fly the traffic pattern. So we're turning, we're flying along, and the runway's down there. There's, there's, no, there's no instruments. There's nothing in there. But all of a sudden, I, I, I'm looking around. I'm thinking, wait, wait, wait how am I going to deal with this? And I, and I, and I look, and, and there's... Okay, there's the nose on the horizon. I kind of, I, I know where that's supposed to be, and I got the wingtips on the horizons over here, and that's good. And, and I've heard the engine so much that I sort of know where to set the throttle to get get that, you know, the engines at the right setting. And I can feel the airspeed and the firmness of the controls. And there's a little drift, but I can kind of feel that in my butt. And so we're kind of flying along, and we turn and we come down to the runway, and I kiss that airplane onto the runway. You can't even feel it touch. She looks over at me and she says, do it again. So power in, we take off, we come around, we're flying down. Now usually this is where I'd be looking at these instruments, right? But she's still got them covered up. So, so I, I'm left with the nose on the horizon. I'm left, the, I got the wingtips and I'm, I'm listening to the engine, get the throttle back just a little bit. And yeah, the airspeed feels right now. It's in the controls and, and got the drift kind of figured. And we, we turn and we come down. It greased right on the runway. You could barely feel the wheels touch. She says, do it again. Power in, take off, we're climbing. And as we're climbing out, she uncovers all the instruments. So now I'm flying along parallel to the runway, and the instruments are all uncovered, but who cares? I don't need them. There's a runway right down there. I got the horizon wingtips on. That's good. Nose is good. No, back off a little bit. Power, okay. And the airspeed's feeling good. Turn, come down. Perfect landing. She looked over at me. She said, give me your student pilot certificate. <laughs> I pulled it out. She signs it, Kathy Mott, flight instructor. She says, let me out. <laughs> she said, I'm going to stand by the runway, and I want you to come around and do that again. And if I give you one of these, you're good. So power in. This airplane doesn't weigh any. She weighs like 100 pounds maybe, right? Which is why they paired her with me because I'm a pretty big guy. It doesn't matter. This airplane is like a feather. It just leaps into the air and we come blasting down the downwind turn, come down another perfect landing. And I worked it out so the wheels touched right in front of where she was standing. <laughs> Rolled out to the end of the runway, turned off on the taxiway and looked back. She was standing there like this. What Kathy Mott gave me that day was not this, or not just this. She gave me back the confidence of my competence. I was still stuck at work, but I went on to earn six additional FAA certificates and ratings. And then, maybe because it kind of scared me, I bought a 30-year-old airplane of a type that's particularly challenging in landings. And I flew it from the Atlantic Ocean to the Bering Sea. And when I got to Alaska, I found out that the cul-de-sac and the through street were reversed. <laughs> the most important thing in Alaska was to be able to take a bazillion diverse inputs and make a practical solution. That was where jobs came from. And I found there 
the best, most perfect job I had in all my years of work. Thank you, Kathy. <laughs>